Victoria Beckham has decided to furlough at least 30 of the staff of her failing fashion business, the one that makes no money, the one that's been bailed out until now by her fabulously rich husband, David Beckham. But no, Victoria Beckham's decided that her gift to the nation is going to be taking taxpayer money to furlough her staff. I think the Victoria Beckham furlough story was probably one of the most important stories I've ever done in my career, really, because she didn't want us to know about this. And whatever genre of journalism, you know, news is finding something out that people don't want you to know. Welcome to JLab, a podcast brought to you by the Civic Journalism Lab at Newcastle University. And our guest for this episode is Katie Hind, showbiz editor at the Mail on Sunday newspaper. In the last year alone, Katie has broken stories that forced Victoria Beckham to withdraw her application for government furlough money, that blew the whistle on James Norton and other celebrities for posting photos of their Audi cars on Instagram without telling followers they were freebies, and that revealed Rolling Stone Mick Jagger had sex with the actor Ray Dawn when she was just 15. The appetite for showbiz and celebrity news has only increased during the last 12 months. And in this episode, Katie explains how the role of the showbiz journalist differs from other reporting roles, but also why she believes celebrity stories are a very important part of the newsroom mix. She also discusses the toxic trolling and abuse that she and many other female journalists are having to endure on social media. But I begin our conversation by asking Katie how she found her way into showbiz and celebrity journalism. Well, while I was a student, um, I went to the University of East Anglia and I worked on my student newspaper there. It was called Concrete. I actually edited it, um, which was a full-time sabbatical position. I got some work experience um, on the Daily Mirror's 3am column. Um, and I would go back in all the holidays and do a sort of week here and there. When I finished university, I worked on my local paper, The Crawley News. Um, meanwhile, though, I, I'd applied to um, the Express trainee scheme which I didn't get an interview for. However, sort of six months or so into my stint at the Crawley News, I got a phone call from the Daily Express who were looking for a sort of editorial assistant on their showbiz desk, which obviously given my work experience and, and you know, I, I would go to parties for the 3M girls, you know, I went out and, and obviously covered parties and so I had this experience of doing so. So that was kind of my first job in showbiz journalism. So yes, I, you know, I had to sort of organise tickets and sort of do, do a sort of admin role, but also I, um, I went out and I made contact, I started to make contacts and started to get stories into the newspaper. And then from there, I actually went to the Daily Star and I worked on a music column before um, working on their gossip column where I had my picture on the, on the, in the paper with two other, two other women. So yeah, that's kind of how it all started really. One of the people involved in setting up Concrete sort of 10 years before I got, got to university um, was a woman called Polly Graham, um, and she was one of the 3AM girls. And I, she was the first editor of, of my student newspaper, and I was just like, wow, that's a great job. So I wrote to her, and she very kindly wrote back and said, why don't you come down and do some work experience? So that's kind of, I, I didn't ever think that I would get into the sort of showbiz um, journalism at all. It wasn't why, it wasn't sort of, well, I wanted to be a journalist since I was about 11, 12. I had a paper round and I was always late uh, delivering the papers because while I was sort of putting them in their order, in, in order behind, um, sort of in the back room of the news agents, I'd always want to read them. 
And, and it was from then that I was like, do you know what? I don't want to deliver these things. I want to, you know, work for them <laughs> and produce them and, and have stories. So, so I didn't, I always, although I always wanted to be a journalist and I did lots of work experience at the Crawley News um, while I was doing my A-levels, I didn't really have an idea of what, specifically, what sort of journalism I wanted to go into. So it was very much, you know, I was 20, 21, when, when I sort of, fell, sort of went down that route and sort of continued to go down that route, really. Tell us what makes this kind of journalism, showbiz, celebrity journalism, very different from the other roles in the newsroom. I think certainly from my, from my perspective, showbiz journalism... A lot of it is is being out in the evenings. Oh, you know, gosh, I mean, when I was I worked for the News of the World fairly briefly, um, I would be in nightclubs into sort of two, three in the morning watching, you know, the England footballers and what they were getting up to. I mean, that's obviously very different to perhaps being a, a general news reporter. Um, and I think also with shows, it is all about bringing in your own stories. It's about, you know, it really seriously is about what your story is where you get from making I mean journalism is obviously across the board about making contacts and, and having a contacts book more even more so you know it's it's having people that are in the know who are happy to tell you information if you don't mind me asking Katie how is it viewed within the rest of the newsroom certainly when I was younger um, you know, you're very much viewed as a sort of silly showbiz girl. And that was a tag which I found very different, difficult to, to, to sort of shake off. Um, and yes, you know, it's like, oh, they just go to parties. Oh, that's, ugh, that's, you know, that's not journalism. I'm very, you know, I'm now suddenly very much is not the case. And actually showbiz is a very important part of our newspaper, which, you know, I have a brilliant editor who takes that very seriously. So I think, you know, yes, certainly I think it, it probably varies from paper to paper and the culture within those papers. You know, I've worked on papers where there's been a very sort of blokey culture. And, you know, even as a woman who is a showbiz journalist is viewed very differently to a male showbiz journalist, in fact. Um, thankfully not where I work now, um, but certainly in the past, you know, a, a, male journal, a male showbiz editor has certainly been treated and reviewed and viewed as, as being more serious than a female one, which is, you know, sad but true. Why is showbiz celebrity journalism important? First of all, there's a lot of important showbiz stories that are actually important. You know, last year I, I broke a story that Victoria Beckham was using the furlough scheme. Now, that in itself is a very serious matter because she was taking taxpayers' money despite being worth £365 million. So take away the showbiz element of it, that's a really important story that needed to be told. Um, and then I think you've got the other side of things, which is, you know, newspapers need a good mix of, of news, features, glamour, glitz, um, and, you know... Sometimes there are showbiz stories which, okay, perhaps are not in the public interest, but the public are interested in. And I think, you know, somebody by, you know, when a reader picks up a paper, there should be a varied, varied type of content. And, and showbiz is part of that mix. I think, I think people want to read serious news, particularly, you know, <laughs> over the last sort of year. But I think they also want some light relief as well. And, and I think it is, it's all about getting that variety. And, and, and that's, you know, I think that's what's going to keep newspapers going, is that people have, a bit, there's something for everybody. 
people obviously can be snooty about it, but it's very important to remember that it's a really, it is a really fundamental part of a newspaper, it is having, it's having these stories. You've been on the, the showbiz beat for more than 15 years, maybe. How has it changed in that time? So, I mean, it really has changed. I think, certainly in terms of my job, there used to be this real party culture, like, a, you know, there, there were, you know, there'd be um, premiere after parties. There would, and then, and then I'd, as I said before, you know, I'd be in nightclubs. You know, we had, we had a, a, a bustling London nightclub scene. You know, we had China White, Funky Buddha, these nightclubs where you know celebrities and footballers would would go. You know, there'd always be somebody in these in these nightclubs. So, you know, that was a, that was a quite a, an important way for me to pick up stories and certainly make contacts. You know, since I think you know. I think financial financial constraints have stopped those parties. You know, lots of nightclubs have closed down. I think celebrities are now much more careful about going to, to the, the ones that are still open because I guess the whole camera phone culture, you know, I guess they're scared. Whatever they do, there could be someone in there that snaps them on their iPhone. Um, so there's that, that element. I think personally to me, I mean, look, I was 40 last week, so it's, it's no great shame to me that I don't have to, you know, that's, that's not required of me anymore because I'm far too old. In your 20s, it's a different matter. It's fun, you know, it's kind of, you combine it, I guess, with your, with your own personal life to a degree. And I think, you know, there's the obvious situation of privacy matters, you know, which stop a lot of stories from getting into the paper that might have done a few years ago. And I think, um, but the most obvious one to me is, is um, social media. You know, and, and how that has completely transformed. You know, now celebrities ha- can have their own say. You know, they can put their own stories out. They can pop something on Instagram. You know, they can put something on Twitter and, you know, tell the story themselves. So in a way, you know, newspapers have become less fundamental to them, which, you know, has been, is quite a challenge. What sort of stories are you, are you writing today compared to what you were maybe working on 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly, you know, trying to sort of, uh, trying to write stories about celebrities' personal lives has definitely become a lot harder. You know, they're, they're very much more difficult to, to prove. You know, there's less, you know, there's, there's a lot hard, there's a lot of, there's much harder come back from them you know there's lots of denials that they'll there'll be no comments they'll they'll ignore you you know there'll be threats like legal threats you know people feel that they 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 have a right to privilege you know I, I had a story earlier this year about an actor um who became very famous recently um i wrote a story i i we we had some pictures of him and, and a girlfriend of his and um i politely wrote to this man's um, uh, PR and said, you know, I know who his girlfriend is and she wrote back and said you can't write this story we don't give you permission to write this story and, you know, that's there's no reason for that, you know, and I think celebrities are becoming a lot more protective of their private life you know, then we got a legal letter from this person, so, you know there is a real pushback, actually and it has made things quite challenging um, and I, I foresee things becoming more challenging down the line in that respect too Celebrities vary, don't they? You get celebrities that are delighted to tell you all about their private life. You know, you have somebody like Katie Price, 
um, who, you know, then you have somebody, somebody like Kate Moss, who, who doesn't want to know anything and never speaks. And, you know, you've never, I, I don't think the public have really rare, rarely heard Kate Moss even utter a word, you know. So, so I think, you know, for, for, you're always going to have the types that want to, want to talk. But I think the people that don't, you know, are trying a lot harder to keep stories out of the papers. But at the same time, social media surely has become a well of, of stories in, it, in itself. You don't look a gift horse in the mouth, do you? You know, if somebody wants to post on a Saturday afternoon that they're pregnant, that's great for us. You know, we will write that story. And I guess as well, you know, you, it, they're easy because the, the celebrity is putting it out there themselves. So, you know, the annoying thing is when you know that person's pregnant and you're going to run it and then they put it up on Instagram so everybody gets it. You know, that's... But actually, I, I, I take the view that social media is, is a very helpful thing for, um, for celebrity journalism, for sure. Um, it, and it gives us content, you know, it, it does. So, yes, I long may that continue, I think. What would you say are the key skills that you need? I think um, in terms of getting stories, I mean, you know, you've got, I mean, all journalists have to be able to talk to people, you know, whether it's knocking on somebody's door to talk to them about their, their child dying to, you know, I guess reporting a football match and then, you know, do, do. but actually I think with, from my experience with Shabby's journalism, it's you really have to be able to talk to people, you know. You, you know, I've been at parties where I've had to walk up to A-list celebrities and try and start a conversation. You have to really think on your feet about what, OK, here, I've got an opportunity here, what the hell am I going to ask them? What's going to get, what, what questions am I going to put on them now that are going to sort of prompt a story out of them? So I think that's very important. And I also feel that, you know, having that, having that sort of resilience and toughness to ensure that you don't take any nonsense off these people because they really try it on in a, in a totally different way to how perhaps, you know, a member of the public being written about in a news story does. So I think that, um, I definitely think, um, you know, late nights are a big part of it. So I think stamina is important. Um, and actually, I think, you know, Having a bit of charm, I think, you know, it goes a long way with these people. You know, you're you're socialising with these with these people. You know, they 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 you know they have to kind of want to talk to you. So I think that's probably an important part of it as well. What advice would you have for getting those skills and strengths that you talked about? You know, that resilience. Oh God, I mean, I think it's about finding some balls, really, to go and talk to these people. It can be really hard, you know. I take it, I take a deep breath and think, okay, it doesn't matter if they're if they're horrible or rude to me. It just doesn't matter. Um, so, so yes, but I think only a more general, a general thing, you know, it does take over your life. You know, it, it really does, and and I can't stress how much how dedicated you have to be to it because you know it isn't a nine to five job and I, I don't think I don't think many journalism jobs are but this particularly you know there will be late nights there will be phone calls when you miss a story there'll be phone calls from the news desk late at night you know you do have to give up a lot and, and make some huge sacrifices for it you know you've got to be you, you've got to be prepared for that um, and and you know you need to have that drive and commitment to it. What, what are the stories that you've been particularly 
proud of over the last 12 to 18 months. I think the Victoria Beckham furlough story was probably one of the most important stories I've ever done in my career, really, because, you know, here was a woman who... She, she'd spent £100,000 on her son's 21st birthday party. You know, she'd just bought a £20 million apartment in Miami. Um, she's got a handout collection worth, you know, £1.5 million. And here we were, you know, the taxpayer having to fund her vanity project, which, you know, so far, I think in 10 years, has wrapped up losses of £40 million. And, you know, she didn't want us to know about this. And, and that's the, that's whatever genre of journalist, journalism, you know, news is finding something out that people don't want you to know. And after 10 days, Victoria Beckham did the noble thing and she did a U-turn and she said, do you know what, I'm not going to take this money, which was absolutely the right thing to do. But had I not written that story, she would have taken that money. I've, you know, I've spent 15 years investing a lot of time in contacts. You know, I, I speak to them regularly. I see them, obviously not during the pandemic, but, you know, I, I, I would see them regularly. I've just started to see contacts again now because we can go and sit outside in the restaurant. And this particular contact called me and said, I've heard Victoria Beckham's using the photo scheme. And there was somebody else um, who I could talk to who confirmed that to me. And yeah, so I do a listing conference every day where I list, you know, what stories I've got. And, and the editor was like, this is, this, is, this is going to be a massive story. And so put everything into it. And, and I actually, I went to Victoria Beckham's people for a response and they did confirm it, which, you know, actually I was quite surprised at how quickly and, and actually upfront they were, perhaps because it would have come out anyway, you know, in, in documents later on. So, yeah, I mean, you know, again, it's just, it's through contacts that I have, have cultivated, you know, over the years, really. And, and you know, sometimes they, they come up trumps. <laughs> There was a, a Saturday night panic when we established there were actually two, there were two different furlough schemes. There was a furlough scheme that um, obviously the government were, were funding and there, was, there are furlough schemes where, you know, the, the business owner pays it themselves. And um, it was a kind of, oh gosh, it definitely is the government one, isn't it? So I had to go back and say, it definitely is the government one, isn't it? And they said, yes, it is. So, you know, there wasn't, there were, it wasn't really, there, were, there weren't really legal challenges on it. But I mean, you know, it, and it went in the paper and it just went nuts on social media. You know, it, it flew and people really had strong views on it. So then the following weekend, obviously, you know, the mail suddenly comes out, you know, once a week. Um, so obviously other papers followed it up. And, and then for me, the following weekend, I did a double page spread on what her week was like for her. You know, she had a torrid week. I think she was embarrassed. I think she was, she, you know, she, she, it was a very, very difficult week for her. So I was able to write, um, given the details I got from contacts, I was able to write, to write that um, a sort of follow-up. And then actually I was told that she thought, Victoria and her team thought a week three story was coming the following Sunday. And that's why she decided to backtrack before the Sunday. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think she back, I think it was the Thursday she, her team briefed daily papers that that's what she was doing. I mean, I, look, I don't think Victoria Beckham is my biggest fan. I've written a few, you know, a, a few story, quite a few stories about her in my, in my life and actually in, over the last few, few years in particular. Um, but actually, you know what, her, her team, her publicist, or one of her publicists, she's got a few different, so she's got her fashion range, so she has a, a PR for her fashion range, she, and her personal type PR actually said to me a few weeks later, 
you know what, that was a really good story. <laughs> so I think everybody has. It's something like that. It's, it, it, everyone sort of has to be a grown-up, I think, and accept that, you know, it was wrong for her to do it. She put her hands up and we all moved on and we have a perfectly fine relationship. I think, you know, publicists have to accept that sometimes these stories are going to get written and, and obviously some publicists are better at accepting that than others. On this occasion, this woman was, was very grown up about it, actually, more so than I thought she would be. <laughs> So, yeah, Not, there, was, there was no long-term damage with her team. I'm sure Victoria Beckham wishes that I didn't exist. <laughs> Is there another story that you look back on and think, yeah, that was another good one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had this story quite early on, in the, early on in the pandemic, but there were a number of um, sort of very sort of A-listy type British celebrities. James Norton um, was one of them. Uh, Vanessa Kirby, who they were, they were in, in exchange for getting use of a free Audi car. They were, they were putting, they were posting stuff on their Instagrams, but they weren't doing the hashtag ad that they should have been doing. Um, and and I, somebody actually, a contact of mine, pointed this out to me, and we went through them. And it, there were about ten of them that were doing this, and it was hilarious because. So I went to all of, I went to all of their, you know, representatives individually on the Saturday. And throughout the day, you just saw these hashtag ads go up on all of their Instagrams. Um, and actually, I think the woman that was involved in, in giving them their free cars actually had to stop. So I, I was quite pleased with that because I, it does irritate me when these celebrities use, use their fame and, and their social media, I guess, and all their followers to get freebies. Because, you know, whilst there's nothing wrong with that, in a way, like you should be telling us actually that, that what, you're, what you're getting, and, and that's something which, you know, I think more and more people are able, more and more celebrities are able to use social media to, um, to their advantage, which is fine. You know, we've, we've seen people from Love Island come off and earn sort of 10, 20,000 pounds per post. You know, I think, you know, Amber Davies was the first millionaire, and she made, she made a million pounds very quickly off of her social media, which is fine, you know, people have, that's absolutely fine, people have to earn a living, but I think they should be transparent about it. So, yeah, I was pleased with that one. It, it doesn't sound like the most earth-shattering story in the world, but it, it felt like, you know, again, some change had, had happened. You know, then you have the more sort of, you know, I guess I, I, I say in my office, you know, more sort of show, you know, the, the more sort of tittle-tattle type showbiz stories. And, and, and um, so I suppose, you know, I, I can't pretend that I'm the most worthy journalist in the world. I, I do obviously like to write about people's love lives and, and, and things. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a story about how Peter Morgan had split up with his fiance, I think they're engaged, Julian Anderson, and to cop off with Jemima Khan. And that, that was, you know, that was, you know, I was very happy with that story. Um, and, you know, Jemima Khan sort of played ball with me and, you know, we got the story over the line. And then a couple of weeks later, <laughs> Peter Morgan went back to Julian Anderson. So there was a kind of, you know, I guess perhaps not fun for those two women involved, but, you know, certainly a, an interesting story for, for our readers, um, which I enjoyed doing. So, yeah, you know, it is, I think, there's, you know, it's important to remember, as I, as I said earlier, you know, there are some, there are some stories that, that are, are entertaining and there are stories that matter. But, I mean, where, where do you draw a line... You know, are there some stories which you think, yes, that's fair game, and no, that's that's not. Yeah, of course, of course there are. You know, there are people. You know, there are sort of. You know, a lot of it is a matter of taste, and you think, do you know what? That's just not 
that's not very nice, is it? So yes, I mean absolutely. I mean obviously we are that we are um, sanctioned by strict, you know, legal regulations. But yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, you you, you take stories on a case by case basis, and if you're a bit like, oh, do you know what? That's not very nice, is it? Or that's a bit too personal. Um, or, you know, that person probably doesn't deserve it, do they? You know, so yes, definitely. I mean, like, you know, I, I think people have this perception, don't they? That, you know, we're like, we, we don't care. Actually, we do, really. We do care. And, and you, you have an instinct, don't you? And you think, gosh, no, do you know what? This isn't worth it. I mean, aside from legal challenges, I mean, has anyone ever tried to intimidate you? Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, all the time. I don't know if you're aware of something that happened a couple of weeks ago concerning Laura Whitmore, the um, presenter of Love Island, and the, the showbiz editor of our Irish edition wrote to, wrote to Laura Whitmore's PR and said, you know, a, a very pleasant email saying, I, um, I hear that the baby's called Stevie after Stevie Nicks. She's just had a baby, Laura Whitmore. And, you know, just wanted to see whether you want to talk, say anything about it. And a few hours later, Laura Whitmore tweeted this email and described it as vile and, and causing a, a pretty nasty Twitter pylon for this, for this journalist. So it's very common that these celebrities do um, come out publicly or privately. You know, you will get sort of, if you write that, you won't get this a lot, actually. Um, something which luckily I don't have, I don't, I'm not so constrained to um, as perhaps journalists on red top newspapers who do rely upon, you know, TV stations and, and the like to, to be given stories and interviews. So yes, there certainly is an element of that, definitely. I, I wouldn't mind sort of talking a little bit about the, the trolling that particularly female journalists are getting. I mean, I think royal royal journalists are getting it badly, um, but it's something definitely that showbiz showbiz journalists. I mean, the the the, the Twitter the Twitter bile um, has become a real problem actually for journalists, in particular women. Sometimes brought on, as I referred to earlier, by celebrities themselves, and people, these celebrities sometimes are, are able to abuse that platform that they that they have that they didn't have 15 years ago. So yeah, I mean that's that's become a real challenge actually for me. These social media companies should should know who who these people are. You know, they should have to give give details of who who they are because it would certainly stop a lot of it. Um, but you know, at the moment, it's not something that they're prepared to do. People think they can say what they like about you, and that you know you're a journalist, so you don't really matter. You know, you 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 don't matter. Your feelings don't matter. You know, I'm not having a pity party here, but you know, there's some difficult things that are said about you. Um, you know, and, and it's difficult for my family. You know, my my father and my mum. You know, my mum and dad find it very difficult. They think, gosh, you know, that must be very upsetting. And and you know, I've grown hardened to it over the years. But you know, a lot of my younger younger colleagues find it difficult. You know, my younger colleagues on other papers and websites. It's it's a real big deal, actually. You know, I'm happy to take criticism from, from people, but it's, it's, it's when you get these, these trolls that think it's OK to threaten, to threaten to come to your work and do nasty things to you, which, you know, is, is frightening. People underestimate, you know, how well-behaved we are, actually. Um, and I think people make an assumption, don't they, that, that, we, that we don't. 
and, and I think if people read things properly before, before you know, casting aspersions and, and saying, saying things that, that are unkind, that would go a long way.